Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Hello, and welcome to this session of the Fun Boards Council INED Bootcamp 2021. I'm Brandon Horwitz, a Senior Advisor to the Fun Boards Council. Today, we'll be discussing ESG and Fun Boards. How can INEDs ask the right questions? ESG, environmental, social and governance issues, have rapidly gone up the agenda for all types of firms and especially for fund managers who are increasingly offering products in this space. In this session, we will explore the implications of ESG on fund boards and especially focus on what questions should INEDs be asking today. We'll cover a number of themes, including responsibility for the ESG policy, what constitutes authentic ESG versus greenwashing, and how ESG impacts the culture in fund managers. With me today, I'm delighted to have Helena Coles, an investment trust INED, an independent investment advisor to the Joseph Roundtree Charitable Trust, and an experienced fund manager in her own right, having been an emerging markets portfolio manager earlier in her career. Welcome, Helena. Thank you, Brandon. We've got a, a few questions to cover today, and we'll we'll kick off with um, something quite high level, which is, what do you think are the most important questions which a fund board should actually ask when it comes to ESG? And are there any areas in particular which perhaps an INED should focus upon? Thanks, Brandon. Well, that's um, that's a big question, big opening question. Um, well, I think you know a good a good starting point would be for INEDs and the uh, to ask how knowledgeable is the board in general on ESG issues and on their developments and whether they can ensure that they are able to keep up to date with new developments and this is not just in terms of regulation but in 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 terms of broader trends as well. Um, do they think that there is a skills gap? Or a knowledge gap and if so you know how can they close that gap do they want to undertake training or perhaps you know arrange for regular updates from the firm's SMEs on the subject also as a board I think it's important to ask whether you're aware of and comfortable with the firm's ESG strategy and do you know who's accountable for it are you satisfied that ESG is being considered at an appropriately senior level ESG will probably influence long-term strategic decisions of the firm, which will probably directly affect your funds. This may be in areas such as resourcing uh, to meet increasingly onerous regulatory and disclosure demands, um, more engagement activity, and also better communications on ESG-related issues with, um, with the market in general and also with your investors. The ESG, a firm's ESG strategy is also likely to touch on stances that it makes and initiatives that it signs up to. For example, if your firm is going to commit to the net zero asset management initiative, um, you will want to know the path that it will take and how that path might impact 
the funds that you have oversight over, uh, such as, you know, is it going to change what your managers can and can not invest in over what time period? And are there any implications for the investment process? I think though that it's quite important to, to just get clear at this juncture that there is no one size fits all. Um, amongst your membership, there will be oversight of multiple, multiple different funds with very, very differing mandates, investment universes and performance targets, which potentially makes the ESG element of a board much more onerous for those who oversee a larger number of funds. Um, whichever way, I think it's important that the board works closely with the manager and engage with them to make sure that the board is getting the right information and staying on top of regulations and therefore able to consider the relevance and implications of each of these things for each of the funds. Uh, I think boards also should be asking about progress on disclosures. Uh, greenwashing is a very sensitive topic right now, as you are aware, and the board should be able to satisfy itself that their funds can live up to any claims about being green, sustainable or following ESG principles. So the board should be able to ask for metrics and information to help it to understand the ESG characteristics for each of their funds and be comfortable that the marketing messaging is not misleading in any way, you know, much in the way that a board will know the style characteristics of, it, of a fund to ensure and satisfy itself that it is managing consistently with the mandate, the investment mandate. Um, I mean, right now it is very probable that this information that you're asking for is going to be a work in progress and rather less granular than you would hope for. But I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be, the, as a board, to be setting expectations for um, better exposures, better disclosures. Makes sense. And I, and I guess that, that, that certainly is the starting point and uh, transparency and disclosure is uh, uh, certainly a, a key direction in the way ESG is, is going at the moment. But moving away from disclosure for a second into um, the G in governance, we're hearing about how fund managers uh, and, and, and fund boards, as we've discussed, are expecting a lot when it comes to ESG from the firms which they invest in. But do you think fund boards themselves could or, or should be role modeling some of this, in particular when it comes to things like governance? Yeah, I think boards definitely have an important role to play in good governance, including being good role models themselves. Ideally, boards should live up to the same standards that your fund managers or their fund managers and investors expect of investee companies. Um, to that end, I think there's, there's definitely a, a, a role for being a good role model and a, a good starting point perhaps would be to have more independent directors. Um, I note from your 2020 survey that uh, most fund boards have opted for the minimum required number of independent directors on their board. And, you know, this is at odds with what managers demand of listed UK companies, where they clearly expect the majority of those boards to have to be independent. And the arguments that I have heard for this arrangement is that uh, uh, the, the, the issues are complex and they require specialist knowledge and perhaps, you know, that in-house special knowledge, you know, uh, um, the knowledge of the inner plumbings of the firm are, are important. Um, but I don't really 
think that stands up very well. Um, I mean, I think if we all look around UK corporates at large, we can all think of a lot of companies with largely independent directors that have complex business models that require specialist knowledge. I also think that um, uh, there should be more independent chairs. Um, again, looking at your survey, fewer than 30% of fund board directors uh, have, uh, sorry, fewer than 30% of fund boards have in, uh, independent chairs. Um, and I think especially where independents are already in a minority, I think that, you know, to have an independent chair is, it, it, you know, will help provide balance in boardroom discussions because the chair is so important and so key in setting the agenda and also, you know, bridging, um, bridging relationships with the firm and other stakeholders. And then I think um, it will come as no surprise. I would also add diversity to um, uh, role modeling here. Um, I note that, um, female directors make up 38% of fund board directors, which isn't a bad start. Um, I don't know what the figures are for race. Uh, so, you know, there are other forms of diversity in addition to, to gender and race, but cognitive too. Um, I think the overwhelming majority of fund board directors come from the asset management industry. So I think in terms of diversity, there's definitely work to be done. No, thanks, Helena. That's that, that, that's a really good point. And and the role of independent um, versus executive directors on, on on boards is is a key theme in, in in work that we've done in the fund boards council. And I'm conscious you you sit on an investment trust uh, board rather than a, a regulated collective and authorized fund, but I wonder if you'd uh, be be interested in offering us an opinion as to how culture and governance of an investment trust versus uh, an authorized fund perhaps differs uh, because of the fact that you have a majority uh, of independent directors versus a, an authorized fund typically having a minority uh, and, and the bare minimum too, as you pointed out. Um, and does this perhaps influence or, or not the way that uh, fund boards look at ESG matters? Mm. Um, um, yeah, well, thank you. Um, I'm only going to comment on the investment trust board side. Um, where you've already pointed out that the obvious difference is that nowadays um, investment trust boards are almost wholly made up of independent directors. So um, to, which basically means that there's nobody on that board who has a day job at the management firm as well, um, which may bring potential conflicts. I think the other difference to note is that, you know, most investment trust boards really oversee just one fund, not multiple funds. And in terms of um, the authorized fund boards, I mean, some of the, uh, some some boards are supervising or have oversight of over twenty funds. Um, so, I think you know this. Uh, I think uh, you could argue, therefore, that actually, that the investment trust uh, structure is is uh, you know is is, is easier work, <laughs> um, and um, it allows the investment trust board to focus solely on looking after the interests of the shareholders because there is no consideration um, explicitly required of looking after the interests of the manager. Um, that said, of course, steering a healthy relationship with a manager is a very important part of the job. Um, but I would imagine that it is much easier to have very robust conversations around certain topic areas that might be a little bit more sensitive um, if you are sitting on a board where the majority 
uh, of your other directors are, are working for the firm. And that might include, um, for example, you know, fee reductions that might have a direct impact on the firm's PL through to investment processes, and then the nuclear option of even changing the manager. Uh, so I think that, you know, that, you know, will be, you know, a driver of, of, of the slight difference in culture. But you, know, you asked about, you know, the approach on ESG matters as well. And I think in terms of ESG issues specifically, um, it's, it's probably early days for most everyone. And um, on my board, um, we are certainly working with the manager to prepare for forthcoming regulation and disclosure best practice. And so we are collectively building a plan together that best fits our, our particular trust for resilience to these, change, to, to these changes, which incidentally, I think are very positive for the industry. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the ESG approach is not going to be a one size fits all and is going to be necessarily different for different mandates. Um, and remember, not all funds will have explicit ESG elements in the mandate and may not be in scope for, ES, uh, for regulatory disclosure. So the individual boards will have to take the decision to make the appropriate um, approach uh, that they see best serves their investors. Um, I mean, there is clearly a lot of pressure right now to look good and brandish ESG credentials. Um, but I think that overall, um, it is most important that you are honest about what you do and what you don't do and have good and consistent disclosure. So whichever way the board decides to approach their ESG matters, um, I would say that these discussions really hopefully are already underway. And I expect that ESG is going to be a priority item on the agenda pretty much at par to investment discussions on an agenda going forward. And, you know, will be, you know, a, 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 a consistent regular item, which it wasn't frankly, you know, even as recently as a, a year or so ago. Which is very interesting. And, and, and I appreciate, you know, you're, you're more comfortable talking about investment trusts because that's, um, that's, that's, your, that's your current focus. Um, you know, when I look at authorized funds versus investment trusts, Clearly, investment trusts are a very, very old and well-established structure, but they've also had the scrutiny of, of regulators over the past 20 years. And uh, naturally, they're subject to company law as well and all the various different codes and uh, things which have happened in that space. So I guess the question's out there as to whether authorized funds will mature or go down the same route over the next 10, 20 years. Um, and, and I guess we'll see. Turning, turning to the industry as a whole now for a, for a moment, um, we've seen a, a real proliferation of ESG funds, and I guess in parallel, uh, a proliferation of, of ESG measurement or disclosure frameworks. We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.